Speaking of three millimeter figures, do you think that's to the eye line or the top of the head? This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode 18. We talk with John Sweeney of Pico Armor about small scale gaming. As you know, the Veteran Wargamer is brought to you by Kings Hobbies and Games. We're talking today about small-scale gaming, and Tim at King's Hobbies and Games has products to suit the small-scale gamer. Almost all of the 3D-printed vehicles he produces are available in 10mm. Many of the terrain pieces he produces are available in 6 and 10mm. His range is growing by leaps and bounds every week. Uh, if you see something on the web store that catches your fancy, drop him a line and ask if it's available in your preferred small-scale. If you don't see something that catches your eye, drop him a note. You know, maybe other folks want the same thing, and he's waiting on demand to build up before he tips the scales in the favor of that particular project and goes ahead and makes it happen. In my experience, Tim is out to fulfill the demands of the gaming community, so it doesn't hurt to ask. That's the King's Hobbies and Games difference. So check out what Tim currently has available at kingshobbiesandgames.com. Up next, my conversation with John. And we're back. Today we're talking with John Sweeney of Pico Armor, a U.S. distributor for 1/600th scale miniatures and some 15mm miniatures for that matter from Poland, a company called Oziel Osmi. And John, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jay. Um, I'm really excited to talk about Pico Armor and small scale gaming and the War College uh, but first, like always, we, we got to find out what makes you a veteran war gamer. Well, Jay, it's, it's inter- interesting you ask that. Um, I guess we could check two blocks here. I am a veteran of the Army, um, spent time on active duty and then a long time in the reserves. Um, and after the first Gulf War, they paid a lot of us to get out. So that was probably 95. So that's mm-hmm. one kind of veteran. I'd say the other kind of veteran is... I guess I was counting on fingers and toes earlier today, and it's been better than 40 years I've been messing around with tiny little soldiers. So, well, excellent. And what what started you down that path? What, do you recall the first uh, conflict-based game that you that you played? Well, like most kids in the Midwest of America in the 70s, I probably started with some airfix tanks and mm-hmm. some uh, tennis balls. Uh, ah. <laughs> We, we quickly moved from that to, I don't recall if it was micro armor or maybe like Airfix 15 millimeters. And uh, next thing you know, we were playing a set of rules called Fast Rules and then something called Angriff a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were gluttons for punishment, we stumbled into something called Tractics. Mm. And if you if you're... A war gamer of my age, you'll remember that it was uh, almost completely unplayable, but very detailed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think every every tabletop gaming genre has some form of complex and nigh unplayable game. You know, for the, <laughs> for the vac heads, it's Starfleet Battles. For the surface uh-huh. warfare folks, it's Harpoon. 
Yes, yeah. played harpoon <laughs> a little. Yeah. <laughs> and that that certainly has a certain appeal, but I think for the mo- for most of us that appeal is is gone. I mean, for the most part, who really has eight hours to devote to a single game? Well, or a single turn. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I have to say, it's funny how I kind of felt myself circle back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we started with a fast play and okay, that wasn't detailed enough. And then we stumbled down that path. And then um, as I started to get back into it, I was interested in in what I would call accuracy Mm -hmm. uh, without a, without a great deal of charting. So, (laughs) well, I mean that, that, that speaks to the, you know, the topic I had, uh, when I spoke with Henry Hyde, you know, the, the difference between results oriented gaming and process oriented gaming, you know, yep. do you want your, do you want your accuracy in the relative results or you don't want, or do you want your accuracy in the process of getting there? Well, that, and that, that, that's a great way to divide that question too. Yeah. And, and neither is right or wrong. It, it all depends on the gamer and the group that he's playing with, you know, what their preferences are, you know, but, uh, you know, my, yeah, I think it's not a secret to anybody, you know, given my love of commands and colors that I'm a, I'm a results oriented gamer myself. Well, I have to say in my completely biased opinion, you've chosen wisely. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Uh, and what are you, what are you playing these days, John? Uh, Obviously you're using small scale figures. I am. And, um, we, we've played around with, with a couple of different rule sets. Um, and like every red-blooded war gamer, I have to mess with them. Um, we messed with the, I call it the Commander series. It was a Blitzkrieg Commander, Cold War uh-huh. Commander, and then Future War Commander. Right. Um, spearhead, Modern Spearhead. And then um, probably Fistful of Toes is where we've landed lately. Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a guy that's, our, our circles kind of uh, intersect in gaming, and and he's a big fan of fist fistful of toes as well. They do a, a good job of writing that edge we were discussing, where um, you can make choices about just how ugly you want to get. Um, uh-huh. it, the 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 mechanism the, the mechanics play quickly, but you can layer in the 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 granularity or the crunchiness as right. you like it. So yeah, okay, and I, I guess that leads us into since we are talking about small scale small scale figures where where did pico armor begin how did how did you get your start well it's it's an interesting question too um uh, my children started to get a little bit older and i had something that i hadn't had in some years a little bit of uh, time on my hands and um i just occurred to me one day i was wondering if anyone wargamed gamed anymore and because it, it'd probably been well, probably 30 years since I'd really mm-hmm. looked into it. And um, I started to look around a little bit. And, you know, uh, Micro Armor, you know, GHQ still existed. So uh, they'd gotten a little expensive, though. Um, yeah. And then uh, I started to poke around in something I kind of remembered from uh, from the closing days of my former uh, wargaming career was... Um, I was, you know, t- getting a little tired of pushing around a dozen tanks or, you know, a couple dozen infantry squads. And uh, I don't know if it's megalomania or not, but I was interested in, in gaming at a bit of a higher level. Okay. 
um, when you start doing that, you know, all of a sudden you want to move platoons or companies, say. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and one way to make that look nice is you put a lot of little miniatures on a base. I remember stumbling across some, I think it was one twelve hundred scales, um, tiny little tanks. I think they were used to put on the decks of uh, uh, 1,200 scale ships. Right. But that was a little much, I had to say. And mm -hmm. then um, I was just, you know, um, flailing around on the internet, and I stumbled across uh, Azil Azmi, or actually had a Polish babysitter who actually taught me how to say it. It's Aja Usme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and she always says, I don't have all those sounds in my mouth. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I discovered the 08 stuff. Uh, it was sold out of Europe. And um, I wrote to the manufacturer and I said, well, do you guys have a distributor or, uh, you know, a retail um, outlet here in America? And he says, no, no. And just on sort of a whim, I was like, well, are you interested in one? And we just started talking about it. Um, next thing you know, I sent him a check and he sent me a big box of miniatures. And uh, a friend of mine put up a website and that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so I guess at this point, I did some sort of a back-of-the-envelope calculations uh, about an hour ago when we're getting ready to talk about this. And just uh, as a rough, uh, rough estimate, I'm guessing we've sold about a million and a half miniatures. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's probably more than the Second World War. So. Yeah. that's uh, Well, I, I, I've got to say they are nice figures. Being, being a customer oh, myself, um, you know, I recently... Well, I, I got he. My brother received his package today as we are recording. Excellent. He uh, got his package today. He's very pleased. I got uh, for you folks listening at home or on your way to work, whatnot. Uh, my brother Chris, who you've heard on the on the show before, uh, has developed an interest in the Arab-Israeli wars mm -hmm. and, in particular, uh, 1967. Mm -hmm. So I basically got him the start of a combined arms brigade with a bunch of M50 and M51 Shermans, a bunch of M3 half-tracks uh, for carrying infantry, along with the infantry, as well as uh, various mortar and gun carriers. Mm -hmm. So he's got well, a nice start there. Well, I have to say it's really interesting. Um, one thing we've noticed is a lot of people have, you know, Northwest Europe in 1944 miniatures. Or they will have East Front in 1943 miniatures. Sure. And we sell so much Arab-Israeli, uh, modern, I call it all the oddball stuff, but it's, you know, right. the, the not, you know, dogma. It's the, uh, you know, the stuff you don't see at the war game convention stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, World War II Poles, World War II French, World War II Italian. And um, people have a lot of fun with it, I think. It's a great way to start sort of a... a a new campaign, if you will. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't necessarily a review episode. Well, you know, I'll probably do one in the future of your products, but mm -hmm. if you just do the math, you know, you you sell fifteen individual figures or miniatures for vehicles, or fifteen mm -hmm. strips of infantry for like four and a half bucks. Well, down to three yeah. and a half now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, even better, three and a half, and you do the math, you buy two packs of T-62s, and that is a one-for-one -one battalion of tanks for for a Soviet 
motorized or not motorized well yeah motorized rifle regiment tank battalion that's yep and and those are the words i love to hear one for one yeah and that, that's not oh this this pack of five <laughs> you know this this pack of five tanks is going to do great as a battalion with each tank representing the company no that's one one model represents one vehicle yes and yes. i mean there's a certain appeal to being able to play at that scale and we'll we'll talk about that some more later very good but uh you know, as I've as I've mentioned in the past, also using the one six hundred one six hundred scale aircraft models, you know, the relative distance that the model's going isn't any greater than a than a larger model, mm-hmm. but it looks so much faster when it's going across the table. <laughs> I agree, and uh, I, I'm a friend of mine. I'm, I'm I'm beating rather furiously and even channeling my dearly departed father. As he was a B seventeen guy, so I want him to put together put together a bomber box for me. So oh, nice, nice. Yeah, as uh, yeah, as my listeners know, I've I've talked a couple times about using the uh, the O eight, you know, to use the shorthand O eight yes, uh, models for Battle of Britain game no, using yes, the, uh, yes. using the X wing miniatures rules. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's and it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll have to. If we ever meet, I'll be sure to bring that stuff with, and we'll throw it on the t- throw it out on the table sometime. That does sound like fun. Now, one of the things that you've started recently, gosh, what in the past two, you know, past two months or so, on mm-hmm. your well, you revamped the web page for one. Yes, yes, yes. And you started something called War College. We um, did. Now, what is what is War College? Well, War College is um is an outgrowth of, of something that we started to worry about. Um, what we started to worry about is to when, when we go to a lot of our gaming conventions or game with a lot of our buddies, a great deal of them are my age. <laughs> and, and I'm in my late 50s. And, uh, you know, I was, not to sound too commercial, but I was worrying my, my customer base was going to be going away here. Um, I've since learned that it wasn't as bad as I feared, but it still kind of inspired us to um, well, try to make the hobby a little more inclusive and maybe reduce a few of the hurdles to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, we can all start arguing about Napoleonic facing colors and pipings, you know, over, over beers <laughs> after a little while. But you know, <laughs> let's start playing games first, right? Right, right. And so uh, the War College was 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 kind of founded with that in, in mind. So we've got you know friends and customers and associates. Um, I just I kind of threw out a broad net and asked a fair number of people if I I knew if they'd be interested, and almost everyone said yes. So we have college professors, we have uh, rules writers, we have we have a law student who is an amazing painter of three millimeter. We can talk about Zach a little more in a moment. Uh, we have some professional military guys and we have guys from everywhere you would expect, you know, England, Australia, Canada, and North America. Um, and so again, the whole idea was, can we put together some resources and, you know, try some things and try to get over some of those hurdles? Um, uh, there's a lady who helps us with a lot of the web stuff and she's been sort of our focus group of one. 
And uh, she said, you know, I am not interested at all. So let me try some of this stuff. <laughs> so um, we did this thing with, with our English friend using the Roll20 platform, which is kind of a role-playing game platform, but we, we kind of adapted it. And we've started playing games, you know, across continents on this using some fast play Panzer 8 rules and take pictures of bases of miniatures that you put together and move around mm -hmm. on this virtual board. So we got yeah. some people who had never even thought of it started to play, and that was an outgrowth of, of the, um, uh, the War College. Neat. Neat. Now, do you think that... Uh... In the future, you're going to expand that to maybe more along the lines of, you know, okay, I want to do Cold War gaming. Where do I start? You yes. know, that, that type of article? Yeah, exactly. So um, the idea is we're going to start putting up some painting guides because that helps people. Mm -hmm. um, TO&Es because that sure. helps too. And then um, one thing that's kind of um, been – our heads have been beaten over a bit about is uh, putting together some starter packs. Um, yeah. it's the case that, uh, uh, fistful of toes has a starter set of rules. You know, uh, I talked to those guys, they, they thought it was a great idea. We'll put together a pack of miniatures and they're free download rules. And there's something you can start with, you know? Yeah. yeah just, just as an example. And, uh, when my brother's 1967 bug bit my mm -hmm. mid to late eighties NATO versus Warsaw pack bug bit as well and of course i dug through the internet and found the old f what is it fm 100 dash was it dash three dash one the uh, the soviet army yeah uh you know it's i'll you know there there will be a link in the show notes for the for those listening at home but in the late 80s the u.s army published a series of field manuals or fms on the organization and doctrinal tactics and operations of the of the Soviet of the Soviet Army, mm -hmm. and they've got every conceivable unit type that you can think of, down to the number of rifles and pistols and grenade launchers in and, each unit, and the number and, of radio men. Yes. Yeah. So and, the, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because another outgrowth of, of this is we're putting together, we're calling it the War College Library. And my first contribution yeah. are those three manuals. <laughs> yeah. So just, just as an exercise, I went through and, and figured out what I would need to buy from your site to do with all support elements a, a motorized rifle battalion mm -hmm. with... Uh, you know, with the BTR eighties. Yes. yes. Uh, so yeah, that's, it, it's funny because another friend of mine, who's more of a role player, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he's my age. And <laughs> he said, I know so much about Russian, uh, Russian trucks because of twilight 2000. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't matter how you get there. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's the results that matter as we've already established. Well, I'll also add that uh, you'll find there's a remarkable number of trucks in every unit, but if you're going to pick a Soviet motor rifle battalion, that's a good one because the tail's so short. Right? Yeah. Well, there's just so many different types of truck also, you know. I like the one that looks like a VW bus. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I need I need exactly two of those for my MRB. So. Hey, we'll work something out. I think I need three. No. So. <laughs> Well, well, to be honest with you, that 
that is another good thing about your the way your website is set up. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't you know I don't probably need fifteen VW microbuses, <laughs> but I can buy no, I can buy just four of them. I think yes. it's four, right? Yeah, it's it depends on the pack size, but yes, you can yeah. buy less than pack size. Right, and there's a small premium you pay for that because I'm sure now you've got you know because you're going to cut open a package and now you're going to have extras, but. You know, that's that's great. I mean, I I don't want to put another company down because that's not that's not what I do, but mm-hmm. there is another miniatures company where you buy a pack of you know, Panzerfausts or guys with Panzerfausts and you mm-hmm. get fifty guys with Panzerfausts. <laughs> and that's great if if it's not the final assault on berlin yeah you're not going to need all those <laughs> yeah you're, you're probably you know am i really going to need 50 guys with flamethrowers you know probably not <laughs> riflemen sure grand all day right right machine gun teams well you know three guys in a machine gun team so 17 ish 16 or 17 machine gun teams yeah i can see that but, yeah it, it does stack yeah. up quickly yes you know, I've talked before about different approaches to the hobby and people getting different things out of the hobby. And there are people who enjoy just going out and planning what they would need to buy for their selected project. Yes. And obviously, I'm one. I'm one of those people. But in our family, I call we call that that bent you just mentioned. We we don't call it the obsessive uh, compulsive disorder. We call it the obsessive compulsive feature. <laughs> And uh, I have much the same. And that's kind of one of the first orders I put together to 08 was my stocking order. And then all these oddball pieces in addition to it. uh, The the manufacturer said, I can see where you're stocking and I can see what you're buying. (laughs) (laughs) Because really, who who doesn't need 15 armored train sections? (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm trying to figure out a scenario to use those because I just like them. So. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I guess that's that kind of leads us right in. That perfectly leads us into uh, into my next question because that perfectly answers the next question, which is what drew you to small scale gaming? Obviously, being able to use 15 armored train sections. That's 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 everyone. That's how everyone gets there, I think. Um, it's it's actually we we touched on this a moment before, but it was I I found myself drawn to the operational level gaming, and mm-hmm. um, uh, if I can quote Guderian for a moment, you know, anytime you're playing a game and the treads on the tank are as much a weapon as its cannon or its machine guns, you know that's operational level that that's where you're really starting to maneuver and uh, a lot of the demonstration games our customers are put on or even the games we've done in the past people always remark you know it's not hub to hub you know there's room to maneuver and that that's kind of the whole idea and that's how i got into the scale and that's what i like to do with it too I, I, I'm about probably in November, and by all means, you'd be invited for this it, um, with the local HMGS chapter. It looks like we're going to put on a sort of a big multiplayer game day, and mm-hmm. I'm going to take two of my vices and combine them. One of them is the central front uh, uh, rule set or, or um, board game by SPI, which is essentially the Red Horde, you know, running into the thin green line. Right. And, and then combining that. Um, 
once you go from the uh, operational level and get the scenario set up, switching over to using uh, the Pico, our Pico Armor miniatures to sort of establish, you know, is it a hasty assault? Is it a march attack? Is it a deliberate assault? And, you know, we're, we're looking to keep it fast enough so we can get most of this done in a day. But it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the hybrid works out. Right, right. Yeah, that's, if you've got a big enough vision, I could see using the smaller scale stuff for lack of a better term, as a campaign map. Mm-hmm. And then when a particularly interesting engagement kicks off on one section of the board, you kind of drill down, and now you're into using 15 or 20 mil uh, models to to do like the company or platoon level action at well, that it, point. It, it's funny because we have seen so many different combinations of our miniatures with games. Um, you know, there's the ones you'd expect. Um, another another rule set we find a lot of people use is called Panzer Corps, and that's mm-hmm. sort of a company base instead. But you could see how you know you put a half a dozen vehicles on it, it starts to look like a company. Right. Um, but people have used them with uh, advanced squad leader. I saw yeah. I saw something at a, at a, I don't know if it was Little Wars, maybe it was Rotcon a couple of years ago. Uh, Panzer Blitz, which I hadn't seen in a very long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they essentially made big counters, put our miniatures on it, and moved it around on a big Panzer Blitz board. Um, yeah. As you can also imagine, Axis and Allies. And I, I, I've heard one fellow used them for risk, but I've never seen the pictures. But uh, right. So again, there's 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 a lot of the kind of hybrid or the interface between uh, the board gaming community and the miniatures community. Yeah, and this is this is exactly the type of thing where um, I've seen just regular board games. I shouldn't say regular. More, you know, the Avalon Avalon Hill style board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for lack of a better term, blown up to larger size. A, a uh, particular example that always gives me a smile is a Kingmaker version Ooh. that I played in Winter War out in Champaign one year, Champaign, mm-hmm. Illinois. Mm-hmm. And the board was probably, oh gosh, five or six times as large as the original board. And all of the cards, you know, the combat resolution cards are blown up and everything. And instead of a little token for your character, you know, because you're, you know, you play the role of a of a named noble, mm-hmm. the game master had taken 28 millimeter uh, knight figures and painted them up with the appropriate uh, livery mm-hmm. for that for that particular noble. That had to be stunning. That was great and had a lot of fun. I'm, it's extra fun for me because I ended up winning. But <laughs> well, winning with the air quotations, yeah. War of the Roses is never pretty, right? <laughs> well, whoever's whoever's le- left with either the last York or the last Lancaster wins, so oh. that's you know, that's I, how that worked out. I think but I must could... have played that in sometime in the seventies, and it was a a great deal of cruel fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's it's definitely a good way of putting it. But speaking of cruel fun, I could definitely see using a collection of figures of your figures on a base for a game of diplomacy, for example. Oh, yes. yes. That'd be a lot of fun to have a, you know, hey, here you know, I'm moving, you know, granted an army is an army is an army in the game of diplomacy, but mm-hmm. it'd be neat to have, you know, some, you know, a little combined arms force on a, oh, I don't know, a two inch by three inch base. Yes. You know? And, and that's and again, that's an army. It, it it's funny because it it almost moves from being a, a dire a, from a counter to a, sometimes a little diorama. People do yeah. amazing and beautiful things with our miniatures. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And 
there's all sorts of games that lend themselves to microscale. Mm-hmm. Um, or even not even micro. Well, I guess to me, microscale is 10 millimeter and below. And so you're obviously towards the towards the smaller end, but mm-hmm. that's you know there's there's room for everybody. Um, well, there is, and and an extra room for mine because it's so small. Right, exactly. <laughs> but a couple of examples that spring to mind with the smaller stuff is, uh, well, for one, there's there's a number of people that are playing uh, Two Fat Lardies, I Ain't Been Shot, Mom, with six mm-hmm. millimeter stuff, mm-hmm. and so they they're using you know team or squad bases for their infantry teams and squads and whatnot mm-hmm. or sections. Mm-hmm. If you're weird like that, right, right, and then your your big men, you know, your NCOs and officers are individually based. Oh, okay. And then um, also using the six mil stuff, uh, Harold Coyle, the author of Team Yankee, mm-hmm. is playing Team Yankee from mm-hmm. the Battlefront folks. Uh, he's playing that with with six mil stuff. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't even realize Team Yankee was coming out, what was it, 18 months ago or something. All of a sudden, yeah. we saw this huge spike in, in modern miniatures, and I'm like, okay, well, we have to figure this out, right? So, <laughs> chasing it back, and, you know, God bless the brothers. They, they, they made a nice game, and uh, they have beautiful big miniatures for it, but a fair number of people found ours and uh, seemed to be having fun with that, too. Oh, absolutely, and, you know, the when you've got a tank that shoots... 12 to 24 inches it actually mm-hmm. looks right with a <laughs> yes, <it laughs> with does. a three millimeter tank yes yes so you mentioned zach mm-hmm. and his ability to to paint the the small stuff what are what are some tips that you can give the person that's thinking about it but isn't quite convinced yet well i'm going to give the uh, zach summed it up very nicely for us um a couple of years ago, he put together a couple of demonstration units, again, one for one. Um, uh, one was the Napoleonic um, Cavalry Brigade, and another was a couple of, of regiments of infantry, again, one-to-one. Um, and he, he cranked them out in two weeks or something, and I'm like, you know, how do you do that? He said, John, what, what occurred to me finally is once you get to three millimeter, you're no longer painting miniatures. It is now impressionist art. And I think that sums it up yeah. pretty well. Um, it, my, my painting technique has, has done the same sort of thing. Uh, when I first started, you know, it, I would paint 100 tanks in a week. I'm probably at double that speed now. And that's, you know, 30 minutes or an hour yeah. a day. So the way it works is you get them on a stick um, after you clean them up. And you, um, I use an, uh, an acrylic gesso um, priming uh, primer and just tint it a little bit with whatever the base color is going to be. Um, then I do a real light base coat or, over the top of it. And again, I make it real thin so like the pigment kind of flows into the, the, the detail, you know, into the, uh, the cuts in mm-hmm. the miniature. Uh, then you pick out some details. If it's a truck, you paint on some windows and some uh, tires. If it's a tank, you put a couple of black dots where the treads are and one where the machine gun is. You dark wash it and you're done. Yeah. So it's it. I probably yeah. I'm, I I on Friday I'm gonna have some friends over and we're gonna paint a bunch for uh, someone who ordered some from us painted and. Um, we're going to time it, and I bet we're closer to cranking them out 
you know, hundred a day. Right. It's 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 really it's incredible. And the tanks go by quickly, which means when people order, ask us to paint them, they always want us to paint the infantry and trucks, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, I guess the trick is to um, make sure you keep the colors light, right? Um, and then um, a few contrasting details, and you've got a whole bunch of painted miniatures. Right, absolutely. And to borrow a term that uh, uh, Peter Barry of Bacchus Six Millimeter says, uh, he quite famously has said, "Paint the unit, not the man." Yes. And well said. And six, and there's a big difference between six and three millimeter. You, you wouldn't think about it just looking at the numbers, but there is quite a considerable difference between six and three. But it's still well, right. Variety it, but it still holds. It still holds true. It, it does. And you know, well, if you think about it, you know, it's it's one half in all dimensions, so one right, right. the volume, right? Which is interestingly about what the price yeah. difference is too because right? <laughs> a great deal of it ends right. up being raw material um but yes it's in as we discussed earlier that sort of the thing we like and the way it presents is that you have all 30 tanks in the battalion maneuvering and it it looks like 30 tanks and the scales fit much you know the, the game scale fits right. much more right. nicely now do you typically for the rules that you're using, do you typically base individually or by platoon or? Almost all of mine are, are based by platoon. Um, and I usually put three tanks on a base or okay. three trucks on a base. Uh, the infantry, it's usually three stands. Um, so um, a pack, you end up getting five okay. bases out of, if you will. And then sometimes, you know, if it's a headquarters or a Soviet, you know, um, advanced unit or something like that you, you kind of mix them up a little bit you know, throw in an right. engineering vehicle and a couple of tanks or something and, and you make it the advanced guard but yeah usually three and sometimes okay. yeah five. so pretty much regardless of the what the actual tone is so for like example we're talking you know mid to late 80s fold a gap yeah an m1 platoon would mm -hmm. have four tanks but just as shorthand just go yes. ahead and put three tanks on the base and a, a base is a platoon Yes, and in, interestingly, um, a great number of rules that are start you know that start looking at platoons or half companies instead of individual vehicles, they almost always take the toe in, T O and E and just divide it by five. Um, so you know if it's a, a Soviet tank company, there's there'll be two stands. Uh, an infantry support company of Soviet tanks, it's three stands. Uh, an American company, right. it'll be three stands. So, okay. Yeah. Now. Just because I'm weird, <laughs> the the <laughs> what my brother and I are kind of parallel working on, we're going to be individually basing the models. Um, well, we see a fair amount of that, and um, I like to encourage <laughs> that. <laughs> um, really, I, I've seen some amazing things. That's a if you look on TMP or even on some of our blog posts, you'll see people have just done, you know, yeah. amazing things. And uh, it's some are individually based. Some are there's one fellow in Australia, one of our, our, our 
War College faculty members who does a very nice thing where he's got the platoon of either BTRs or trucks or BMPs, and then he makes what he calls a sabo, which is the infantry that just fits yeah. right around the other base. So when it's deployed, it looks deployed. When it's yeah, not, neat. it looks like it's not. So, it it really this is, and again, this applies to all the micro scales, but it's again, it's the level of this level of operations that you're, well, for lack of a better term, operating at. And the yes. the smaller yes. scales allow for bigger games. Um, yes, and, and you also get to weird use all those weird units. You know, your artillery might actually mm-hmm. show up on the board. Um, I always like to put out my scud launchers when I'm torturing my friend John when he's being the American <laughs> cavalry. I almost never get to use them, well, but sure. I sure like to put them out. <laughs> But uh, oh, yeah, and that—that's the thing. If you take a look at the at the Soviet range, you know all sorts of anti-aircraft search radars and you know mm-hmm. weird engineer vehicles, all sorts of bridging vehicles and uh, you know maintenance and recovery units and and that's the sort of thing where if you're a little bit nuts and want to go ahead and and have a Soviet motorized rifle division on a one-to-one basis. Well, by gum, you can <laughs> you can have all those crazy little onesies and twosies that they have at the divisional level. Every yeah. repair van. Um, I think maybe it was, was was it Ralph Peters' book when he uh, Red Army when he was writing about um, a Soviet uh, infantryman watching uh, an engineering unit go by, and he goes, "I don't know what they are, but they look like medieval torture devices." <laughs> Well, in the case of the Soviets, they probably use them for that too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they double up. Right, right. But uh, oh, absolutely, and and the thing is, with the relative scale and relative distance, I mean, you're talking. You could have a on a standard, you know, quote unquote standard eight by four gaming table. You could replicate a couple of kilometers of front easy, and uh, yes. that's just yes. that really opens up the scope. And it's not anything you can do with with 15 or certainly not 28s, 20s or 28s. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, well, one 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 demonstration or you know game we we ran at conventions for years was the Battle of Hunfeld. And uh, and the Soviets always ended up hitting the town with chem. And so they had to go around the town. And so the American cavalry was always on this hill behind this river. And so the entire game always came down to American uh, artillery and air support against Soviet bridging, engineering, mm-hmm. and air defense. And it was, and and maybe I'm not a very nice person, but the way I judge a good war game is everyone suffers. And this, every time we played this game, everybody <laughs> suffered. It was beautiful. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's definitely one way to one way to look at it. The uh, the the maxim I go by is if it's not a war game if there isn't friction. Yes. Depending on how this how that suffering nice. manifests itself, that very well could be an inordinate amount of friction in the rules. But you know that's okay. Um, yes, yes, and and your opponent throwing yes, all the friction yes. you can, yes. but hopefully not throwing any dice, or at least not. <laughs> yeah, at least not at you. At least not at you. <laughs> at right. not at yeah. you. Now, um, for someone who's wanting to get into micro armor, 
or Pico armor in particular, the, the small-scale stuff. Um, just real quick off the cuff, let's say top... What are your top eras, you think, that really fit the bill? Good question. Let's see. Well, again, I mentioned, especially early on, we sold a... And the, the range started mm-hmm. in the modern era. So we sold all the, you know... 8th Guards Army versus Thin Green Line, 5th Corps, you could imagine. So we, we sold a great deal of 1980s um, European Front. If I had to guess after that, if you if you looked at, you know, sort of the pack by pack, the next thing actually might be mm-hmm. American Civil War. Um, and that's only because, you know, you, you need three different kinds of packs to do, you know, either side, really. Um, so that might not be a fair comparison. So that would be, say, by the pack. World War II, I'd say, probably the yeah. Desert Campaign is where we've sold the most. And again, you know, we're right back to that whole, you know, big, big game board, lots of room to maneuver, uh, operational level right. again, uh, stuff again. Um, my, my personal favorites are would be like a Smolensk forty one. Um, maybe a Ukraine 43, something, you know, right after Kursk or something again, um, or something I've been meaning to try, but I have to paint it up yet would be sort of the dash across France. Um, once the, uh, once the, uh, World War II Americans came out, it seemed like we sold a great deal of, uh, we, all of a sudden we started to sell West Front stuff. So that was, um, maybe it's time had come for three millimeters. So that, that's, yeah. that's another. And, and I, I can definitely see the appeal of the ACW stuff and Napoleonic stuff. And, but I, I fear mm-hmm. that, well, the simplicity, the relative simplicity of American civil war uniforms lends itself to that style of painting. And I wonder if mm-hmm. people, yep. you know, some people might be put off with the Napoleonics thinking that they've got to worry about the color of the button lace. Well, it, it, is, it is absolutely the case that when our, when the sculptor marching uh, strolled into the Napoleonic range, he was really going into, you know, the lion's den. <laughs> so, I mean, we do sell it. And um, yeah, I, I would say that it's, it's certainly not our biggest range, and certainly we were selling against a great deal of, if you right. will, installed base. But um, uh, there's one guy we work with out here, Steve Fratt, who do, again does you know all of Waterloo, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and so when if you're going to do all of Waterloo, you know it's, it's not a bad choice because your table's you know not so crowded, you know you get the whole thing on there, and um, units again look right. like units. Yeah, so. exactly. Units look like units, and again to steal from Peter Barry, it's it's a unit looks like a unit, not not mm-hmm. two dozen men taking a flag for a walk. That's right. <laughs> Again, nicely said. I like that. So I, you know, God, God bless Peter Barry with back at six mil because mm-hmm. he's been fighting an uphill battle to, to get the small scales recognized more, more widely by the gaming mm-hmm. community. But uh, well, and again, I think getting the fresh blood in in is is helping that yeah. a lot. Um. And that's kind of, you know, again, we, we discussed this a little bit earlier, but um, there's something we came up with, which was the $21.30 stand campaign. And so if, if you base them like we discussed before, 
um, $21 does get you 30 stands with three miniatures on a base. Um, we're, we're, we ran an online version of it to kind of try it out. Um, we're going to be running a, a campaign like this. It looks like up at Games Plus up here in Mount Prospect, Illinois, where uh, uh, we'll, we're working with a couple of the guys up there at the shop, and we're kind of up with a couple of army lists, and the guys can buy the army list, you know, and uh, paint them up. And then on a Saturday, we're going to have a single elimination, you know, go for the prize kind of, of, of contest. So that should yeah. be fun. And then this is something we're looking to try to roll out at conventions. I don't know if we're going to get it together for Historicon, but uh, the idea would be if you show up and buy them on Friday, we'll help you, you know, get you started on them. You'll be done painting and basing them sometime Saturday, and you can play with them Saturday night or Sunday oh, morning. Oh, that'd be cool. So, so we'll see how that. You said works. at Historicon. Yeah, we're, I, if if I can get Zach to come out to help me yeah. paint, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see if we could uh, we can roll that out at Historicon. If not, I'm I'm almost positive we'll have it ready for um, probably Adepticon oh, here yeah, in Chicago yeah. next okay. spring. So. Did you go to Adepticon this year? I went for the first time this uh -huh. year, and um, what the the interesting news I heard was uh, this year Adepticon was the biggest miniatures can, um, convention in the world. It passed salute. Really? It did because it broke six thousand. I think. Oh, is that? It is not. It's not quite Gen no. Con. <laughs> well, Gen Con isn't Gen Con isn't miniatures only, so you've got that. You've That's got that caveat That's still. Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm have, I'll have to check. I, I've been wanting to go to Adepticon, and when I first mm -hmm. heard about Adepticon, it was still pretty much you know Games Workshop only. Not that that's a bad thing, but mm -hmm. my interests right, my right. interests generally lie other in other places. But recently, they've definitely been piling on other things, and it and it does my my historical, you know, even though I, I'm looking at a pile of zombies at the moment, <laughs> it does my well, it does my historical. They were in history. Somewhere. Well, yeah, <laughs> these chaos warriors certainly weren't, but um, oh, no, it yeah. does my you know my my historical miniature gamer's heart proud to know that you know you're you're representing the the way forward. Uh, at Adepticon, and you know, I, I guess stuff like uh, Bolt Action and Conflict Forty Seven is maybe helping get a little bit more recognition in that crowd into the historical part of the hobby. Well, well, yes, and again, not to sound too commercial, but as soon as those guys are tired of pushing around four tanks, I got four hundred tanks yeah. for them for about the same price. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> probably painted for the same price. <laughs> so. so, speaking of which, what's what's next for Pico Armor? What's what's coming on the horizon? Well, there's the the twenty one dollar thirty uh, stand campaign we talked a little bit about. Um, uh, to directly uh, turn off of the historical. Uh, vein we do have a line of three millimeter sci-fi miniatures yes. and we're working very closely with a friend of ours right now to publish a set of rules to go along with those mm -hmm. miniatures um if things go well um we may have two versions of the 2130 campaign going on in adepticon one will be historical and one may be that science fiction mm -hmm. line um and then hope it, I, it looks like he may be ready to um um release the rules right before that convention okay. so we'll be able to premiere those as well so um 
those are two of the newer things. Uh, um, people are always welcome to join us on the forum and holler at the sculptor for whatever model they want right now. Because <laughs> you know, it, it's very fancy trouble. Um, no one is prolific is as prolific as these guys. They come out with what ten, eight or ten new models, ten or twelve times a yeah. year. Um, Marchin and the boys do an amazing job of coming out with new stuff. And um, I, I'm frankly, I'm flabbergasted. I don't know anybody that produces new stuff like yeah. that. So every month we are we are amazed, and you know we yell for Hawk missile batteries, or we yell for the world's largest helicopter, or we yell for yet another new variation on a T80. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a gun, you know he'll make it. I mean, we just came out with the Oxford. Oh, that's uh, that's a month. gorgeous looking model. That yeah, is a gorgeous I, looking I, model. I, I, I've been looking for an excuse to put together a MEU, so I think that's going to do it for me. Yeah, well, there's plenty of real-world stuff. I mean, you've got uh, all sorts of non-combatant evacuation operations that you could that you could game. That's right. You know, and, just uh, an airfield. You know? mm-hmm. And heck, mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, if you want to get real, if you want to get real crazy, just kind of take a page from Red Storm Rising and fast forward yeah. it about thirty years now and. Have a next thing you know, you're in Yugoslavia, yeah, or in uh, Iceland, <laughs> you know, right. airfield seizure, right. you know. Yes, that, that was a yeah, that was a interesting and oh yeah, I, I just finished uh, listening to it on on audiobook, and so it's it's still fresh. So yeah, yeah, I'm afraid it's getting fresher yeah. too. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so, but uh, yeah. well, things are. I'm I'm excited to hear about the science fiction stuff coming out because i'm i'm a big sci-fi nerd and i've got tons of sci-fi and six mil um mm-hmm. you know at actually at one point i had enough of the renegade legion plastics for four mm-hmm. full regiments my goodness well you know any of those tanks would make a fine ogre oh. for <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> That's true. Well, speaking of ogres, at one point I had about eight ogres, and even I even had the fifteen millimeter ogre at one point. So, oh my goodness! But yeah, I, I do like my sci-fi tanks. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, well, our tanks look a lot like sci-fi tanks, if you ask me. Well, yeah. M one or the the you know any of the, the Merkava or the oh yeah new challengers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just a a weird paint job and most of the really bizarre stuff that most folks don't normally see like a, you know, like a modern martyr, you know, the, the yes, German yes. infantry carrier. That's, it's pretty sci-fi. Oh, the S tank, the Swedish S tank. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here's, here's a variation on that theme. So we came out with a, a world war one range, okay. which, which it does. Okay. But I have to say of all the world war one tanks we sell, Almost none of them are for playing World War One games. They're always steampunk or, yeah. <laughs> or sci-fi, you know, right, some, right. some kind of gaslight stuff. So. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing no, wrong with that not at, at all. all. I mean, it's at the end of the day, as far as you're as far as you're concerned, they could be get them in the mail and throw them right in the trash as long as they're still buying, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it hurt my heart a little oh, bit. Well, <laughs> usually, you wait for their wives to throw them away. <laughs> Well, I'm certainly glad that my wife doesn't listen to my show, so she won't get the idea. (laughs) 
All right, Jay, I'm now going to tell you a slightly sketchy story, so I don't know if this is going to make it through the edit or not. We'll see. And it was the only time I've ever been um, uh, stifled, I think it was, on TMP. <laughs> so there's... There was this nice couple that came to visit the inventory some years ago, uh, Cesar and Nancy. And Cesar was kind of going through the inventory and picking out some stuff, so I struck up a conversation with Nancy, his wife. And I said, well, Nancy, it, it's nice that you support Caesar in, you know, in, in this hobby. She goes, oh, I love this hobby. You know, Caesar, he's home with me, and he's painting his tanks and his little airplanes and stuff, and he's not out chasing whores with my brothers. <laughs> See, it keeps you off the streets. Yes, it does. <laughs> I've said it time and See, time again. It keeps me off the street. Yes, it literally. <laughs> yes. I can't believe I got stifled. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. TMP plus, I would have been fine. Yeah, well, I got stifled as a TMP plus member. So, wow, I'm, and I'd wear that badge with pride, sir. It sounds like you've got a lot of great things coming up for the future of Pico Armor in 08. What are what are the best ways to to keep tabs on on Pico Armor? Well, of course, there's the website picoarmor.com. Uh, you mentioned there's been a you know we kind of rehosted the whole thing, and uh, we're looking to flesh out the the blog posts and the uh, forums a bit more. So that's one thing we're working on, and you can find us there. Um, we're, we've become active on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, one of our War College members is handling the Twitter end for us, and so uh, trying to keep that pop bubbling. And then um, the Facebook, of course. So if you can reach out and try to find us and follow us there, we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. And all the links for the different social media platforms and websites and whatnot are going to be in the show notes. Uh, keep your Excellent. eye out for Thank that. You. So with that, John, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks much. Uh, thanks for keeping the spirit of small, small-scale gaming alive and bringing it here directly to the U.S. Well, Jay, thank you, and uh, get up here in the neighborhood, and uh, we'll play a game. Oh, absolutely! Sounds like a blast. All right, thanks, Jay. Thanks, John. And as always, folks, if the war gaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. copyright J. Arnold 2017. Join the conversation at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com Music courtesy of bensound.com Recorded with Zencaster.